this is gonna sound. this is gonna be a weird episode, guys. Oh, uh, when I was a, when I was in middle school, I was obsessed with Sequest. Yeah. Oh, no judgment here. Sequest <laughs> rules. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode two forty five of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast, presented by Overdrive. This is Jill. Hi, Adam. How's it going? Good. How are you? Ugh, having a day, you guys. But we get to record a podcast, so it's all good. It is all good. It, I'm having such a day that you literally looked at me earlier like, do you just want to do this tomorrow? <laughs> that is true. But then people would have to wait for the episode, so. That is also true. I I suppose I can stop pouting and just do some uh, recording. Um, Anything you want to talk about, Adam? <laughs> <sighs> well, we don't really have to first, talk about <laughs> no, no, I'm just stressed out. It's uh, cool. Which is understandable. Not cool. That sounds really callous, but. That's okay. Flip I, it. I went from having like. This time of year, traditionally on the team that we're both on here, isn't too crazy. Mm-hmm. And I went mm-hmm. from having a nice, relaxing couple of days to all of a sudden, the last like 36 hours, I've needed to do everything in the world. And it's like, where did all you work ah, come from? All right. So that's okay. Um, a few things. One, we I put up a new poll on our website, professionalbookners.com. So we're going to do a nonfiction episode later in the month. Um, and I want to know what type of nonfiction you guys want to hear about so we put memoir and true true crime and historical and a few other options on there so if you're a nonfiction reader or listener go to our website and take air take part in the poll just literally click one button and click submit your vote so we know what you guys want to hear recommendations on um big library reads going on yes it is uh so there was a big library read episode that we did with the author Lacey williams uh, Cowboy Pride, which is a retelling of Pride and Prejudice. Everyone on the discussion board really seems to like it so far, which is awesome. That's good. Um, but yeah, there are, if like 19,000 libraries are participating. So just go to your library's website or obviously in Libby, and it'll open up right there. Um, we had a Harry Potter conversation last we week. We did have a Harry Potter conversation last week. A lot of feedback on we that. We did have a lot of feedback. Man, people really love themselves some Harry Potter, and they have thoughts. For, okay, actually, we need to clear some laundry. Oh, you guys, what is wrong with you? Yeah, that's right. We're going to reprimand you real quick. <laughs> no, I just, I feel like I need feedback on this. Email yeah. us at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com on why you don't think Dumbledore is the worst headmaster ever. Yeah. I, so we but, clearly outlined. Maybe they didn't actually listen to the episode. I And they think, just voted. I Maybe. I don't know. I... Somebody sent us a, a message on Instagram that was like, he's not the worst because he's letting Harry do stuff. Like, he's basically, it was something along the lines of like, if Dumbledore took care of everything, then there wouldn't be much of a book. That is not the point. That is the worst <laughs> the logic point. ever. <laughs> She's a writer. Point. She can get around it. This yeah. isn't real life. Like, yeah. they're, they're, no. Uh, yeah, I know. If anything, that's just lazy writing. Uh, if if uh, that's your only way justification yeah so i'm not gonna say any names and throw people under the bus but y'all crazy so well we'll do more harry potter stuff later in the summer don't want to get us started again okay so over the course of the year we have been doing a few read harder challenge episodes because overdrive and libby specifically is sponsoring the read harder challenge so if you're not familiar with the read harder challenge there are 12 is it 12 24 
think it's 24. 24. Yeah, because okay. two a month. So there are 24 kind of tasks that Book Riot throws out there for readers um, to force yourself to read outside your comfort zone. So they can be things like a book published after someone has passed away or a true crime novel or a science fiction title written by a female protagonist with a female author, written by a female author with a female protagonist. I had that backwards and so on and so forth. And so we have gone throughout the year picking four of these different challenges and providing some book recommendations. So if you're doing the Read Harder Challenge or if you want to read a little bit outside of what you're normally reading, uh, this is going to be a perfect episode for you. Um, We're going to do books about nature, westerns, celebrity memoirs, and then children's classics published before 1980. If you want to catch up on the previous episodes where we did this, you can listen to episode 192 and 217. I'm so proud of us. We didn't talk about mentioning those, but we both had them written down to say. So good job by us. Um, Cool. Okay, so the way that we did this so as to not to flood you with recommendations, uh, Jill and I both did three recommendations from each of these. Do you have a place you want to start? It doesn't matter to me. No. Okay. All right, so as is tradition with our recommendations, we'll just go back and forth. These ones we did tell each other ahead of time just to make sure that we didn't repeat any. So I'll let you go first, and we will start um, with books about nature. Okay, my first book about nature is The Drunken Botanist by Amy Stewart. Um, Amy Stewart, you may recognize her as a fiction author. She um, writes the Cop Sisters series that started with Girl Waits with Gun. So this, however, is all about the plants that end up in our alcohol. Yeah, this is it's such a good book. I, mean, I love The Drunken Botanist. It's so good. Uh, yeah, I love it. So it's all about the... Extraordinary and obscure plants that have been fermented and distilled and end up um, in cocktails and liqueur and liquor. Mm-hmm. All the good stuff there. Yeah. It's such you, it's such a good – it's so interesting. What a good book. Oh, good choice. I didn't even think to put that in. Oh, what a good way of using nature. And That's a good job by you. Sorry, like I found it on the list. Don't give me too much credit. But still, <laughs> I'm giving you credit for choosing it. Um, my first one is called Animals Strike Curious Poses by Elena Passarello or Passarello. Uh, so what this is, is several, I think there's 16 different essays all about, uh, famous quote unquote animals that we as humans have kind of given a name and immortalized. So think of like, there's this 39,000 year old uh, mummified woolly mammoth that was discovered and they named it Yucca and they like did all the story about it. Um, I don't know if this is in here, but Balto comes to mind for me, which is the uh, half Siberian husky, half wolf dog who helped save a whole bunch of people's lives in Alaska because they had him run the first Iditarod. And, uh, or not the first Iditarod, but they had him run the Iditarod, and they had a whole bunch of medicine that got to a a uh, bunch of people who were trapped in Juneau, Alaska, and so saved them from diphtheria. Guys, I know a lot about Balto because of the movie Balto. Mm-hmm. Um, also, in Cleveland, there is a, a statue of Balto. There is. But basically, this story, Animals Strike Curious Poses, are all about these different famous real animals in history that we have kind of like taken a, a shine to as that a society. That sounds really good. Yeah. Oh, it's my turn. I was going to go look it's for it and put it on hold. Um, sorry, I got distracted there. Okay, Rain and Natural and Cultural History by Cynthia Barnett. So this is about rain. 
Go, give me more. Tell me more. Cynthia Barnett's reign begins four billion years ago with the torrents that fill the oceans and builds to the storms of climate change. It weaves together science, um, the true shape of a raindrop, the, mysteri- the mysteries of frog and fish rains, with the human story of our ambition to control rain from ancient rain dances to the miles of levees that attempt to straight jacket the Mississippi River. I really love that they put in like the frog and fish rain thing because that is super weird. Like these natural phenomena where it literally does rain frogs or fish or things like that. That I want to read. That. I love micro histories. You know where they an author takes um, something like rain mm-hmm. and um, focuses on the history of one single object. So I'm this one sounds really fun actually. Unrelated, and it's not a book, but micro history for some reason made me realize made me think of. Uh, earlier this week, The Ringer, this is a very popular website, which we both check out every once in a while. We do. They did an oral history of the movie Step Brothers. <laughs> oh, I did see that. I and didn't it read is, it. like, I started reading it at work, and then I saw my scroll thing, how how small the scroll thing was on my screen, and it was going to take me, like, an hour to read. But, it, like, they got everyone in the cast to partake, to partake in this oral history of the movie, so. Not related. Well, sort of. Um, Wired had a very similar thing for Facebook this week. Ooh. About, um, yes, it, I don't think it was... I think it was, it's presented as an oral history, mm-hmm. um, but I think they, he pulled, the author pulled in quotes from other people too, but it was the same thing. I mean, it took me all day to read because yeah. I would sort of go back in <laughs> yeah. snatches because it was so long, uh-huh. but it was really interesting. Yeah. Um, that's so funny. Okay. So my next one is Hatchet by Gary Paulson. That's a good one. Yeah. Did you a read good this choice. Trailer? Yeah. Oh, of course I did. Okay. I was making sure. So it's juvenile fiction, but I want to go back. I haven't read Hatchet in, in so long. There's, I think there's four books in the Hatchet series. Um, but I read this when I was a kid, and it is all about this 13-year-old Brian Robeson, or Robson. I never knew how to say his last name. Um but he is traveling on a single-engine plane to visit his father for the first time since his parents got divorced, and the plane crashes. The pilot dies, so Brian is the sole survivor, and he's in the Canadian wilderness, and he has to survive, and he has nothing but a hatchet and some like tattered clothes and a windbreaker, and so it's all about how he manages to survive. It's very much like a young adult version of like Bear Grylls, the mm-hmm. shows, and it's just so good. He does all this stuff. Like I remember he catches fish in like this little fishery that he creates for himself like almost like a little pond that he it's just there's lots of really interesting stuff um i highly recommend it if you've never checked out hatchet and it, you can get through it really quickly because again it's it's classified as juvenile fiction but i would say more so almost like young adult i think i did read it in like fifth or sixth grade yeah i think i did too i don't remember yeah um my last one is shark drunk which we've talked about on the podcast i think last year when it came out but this is about um, the Greenland shark, which oh yeah, which is the um, I get my facts straight, which has the longest known lifespan of all vertebrate species, and I mean it lives for like ever, not really so long, but it lives for a long time. Um, but it's uh, hold on again, I want to make sure I get all my facts straight. Um, there is a toxin in its uh, tissues, yeah. um, the flesh, but it also is sometimes eaten as a delicacy in Iceland. So fun fact there. So anyway, so this is just about um, they um, these two men go out in a little dinghy and decide to see if they can find um, a Greenland shark. And yeah, yeah, it's, it's good stuff. 
I feel like I'm having deja vu, but maybe not. Did you know that um, lobsters are also like this, where it's been scientifically proven that lobsters don't ever die of old age? I so do like, not. If conditions were perfect and there was no predators that got in the way of a lobster and like it was never caught, a, a lobster could, in theory, just continue living. What? I think lobsters are also one of the, like, I think sharks and lobsters are also some of the species that don't get, they, they can't get cancer. Yeah. Interesting. Lobsters. There's stuff in the ocean that I'm pretty sure is are aliens, like oh. octo- octopi. <laughs> I, yeah, you know, <laughs> this is gonna. Sound... This is gonna be a weird episode, guys. Oh, when I was when I was in middle school, I was obsessed with SeaQuest. Yeah. Oh, no judgment here. SeaQuest <laughs> rules. And um, but I do remember. I think in at least the first season in the opening credits, there would be this whole thing about the last frontier it was the depths of the ocean because yeah. we hadn't quite figured out how to get down there and so it's there's crazy. all this stuff down there at the very very bottom that we can't get well and only now is the technology available yeah. where they can send like a machine down like a yeah ship down there because again humans can't get down there mm-hmm. like all the um glow in the dark one oh. those are the best and there's all those the glow in the dark the glow in the dark ones are super cool and super creepy. There's always like creepy movies like The Abyss, all about going like way underneath. I just get like I get creeps just seeing about that much water being above me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Man. Okay. Good good tangent. Uh my last one of these is Tarka the Otter, which I've never read, but it sounds super interesting. It's by Henry Williamson. And it's all about this otter cub, Tarka. This is fiction, I should point out. Um and Tarka grows up with his family, learning how to swim and catch fish. And uh, he learns to be aware of the cry of the hunter and the flash of a metal trap. And so soon he has to fend for himself, traveling through rivers, woods, moors, basically everything you would imagine an otter has to do. And then he comes face to face, being chased by a pack of hounds. He meets his nemesis, the fearsome dog, Deadlock, and must fight for his life. It just sounds very much like fern gully or bambi mm-hmm. but it's an otter and i love otters so that's tarka the otter otters are so cute yeah they are uh, i want to do history next sorry not history westerns <laughs> curveball had a bit, bit of a moment there uh-huh. yes so my first one for western is the oxbow incident by walter van tilburg clark Set in 1885, the Oxbow Incident is a searing and realistic portrait of frontier life and mob violence in the American West. First published in 1940, it focuses on the lynching of three innocent men and the tragedy that ensues when law and order are abandoned. The result is an emotionally powerful, vivid, and unforgettable recreation of the Western novel. Sounds really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I, tr- I was thinking about doing several obscure ones, and I did a couple, but the first one it was True Grit, which is not obscure, just because I think people should read it if they haven't. It's by Charles Portis, and True Grit has also gone on to become two separate Academy Award-winning movies, the first one starring John Wayne and the second one starring Jeff Bridges. Uh, but it's all about this girl, Maddie Ross, and her father is shot down and murdered and robs him and escapes and so she goes and finds this guy named rooster cogburn who's a well-known um kind of like bounty hunter i Mm -hmm. I guess technically you would call him and uh for you know convinces him to help her find the person and and kill the person who murdered her father so it's just really good the characters of of maddie and rooster are so wonderful good old rooster yeah highly recommend true grit 
And then check out both movies, honestly. They're both very, very good. Also true. So mine is The Pinks, The First Women Detectives, Operatives, and Spies with the Pinkerton National Detective Agency by Chris Enns. Most students of the Old West and American law enforcement history know the story of the notorious and ruthless Pinkerton Detective Agency and the legends behind their role in establishing the Secret Service and tangling with Old West outlaws. But this is about the women who were also involved, um, including um, it's the true story of Kate Warren, an operative of the Pinkerton Agency and the first woman detective in America, and the stories of the other women who served their country as part of the storied crew of crime fighters. Hell yeah. Yeah. I'm like, how have I not heard of this book before? Yeah, I, that... I think it came out in the last couple of years. Yeah. Maybe Sounds last fun. year or this year. I don't remember. It's fa- it's fairly recent, but I had never heard of it before. I didn't either. That sounds awesome. I can't believe that one slipped through our car. Uh, I know. So. Uh, my next one is World Chase Me Down by Andrew Hillman. This also came out uh, recently, I think 2017. So it is described as True Grit meets Catch Me If You Can. Uh, it's based on the forgotten but true story of the Robin Hood of the American frontier who pulls the first successful kidnapping for ransom in U.S. history. So... There's this guy, Pat Crow. He became the most wanted man in America because he kidnapped the uh, he kidnapped the teenage son of Omaha's wealthiest meatpacking tycoon and ransomed him for $25,000 in gold and actually got away with it. And so it's the story of him. It's historical fiction, but it's the story of how he kind of gallanted across the, the frontier escaping... Uh, the people. So I'm torn because on one hand it sounds really awesome and like it says Robin Hood of the American Frontier, but everything in the description doesn't sound like Robin Hood. It sounds like he just flat out <laughs> held someone for ransom and you never want to kidnap someone. That's not cool. But he no. also sounds like an awesome character. So it's like also true. Could be a little problematic to be rooting for what is clearly the villain of this. So I'm excited to read it. This one's I I haven't checked out. So that's World Chase Me Down. Okay, mine is sort of okay. I feel like I need to. Go on. Clarify. Um, mine is the my last one is Close Range Wyoming Stories by Annie Prue. Um, it is set in the West. It is not necessarily a Western. Type. I mean, it's about cowboys, but more of a modern sense of cowboys. That's okay. But I'm including it. I'm including it. So um, this is yeah. This is Annie Prue. This is the short story collection that includes Brokeback Mountain. Uh, and so it's sort of looking at Wyoming and that land um again in sort of a more modern um landscape than mm-hmm. and then the old west but it's annie prue and her writing's just stunning so nice and it's brokeback mountain which is just i didn't know that was a short story it was it was um it might be almost novella length mm-hmm. uh i think i have a copy because like I've, I've i definitely have a copy of just brokeback mountain right but this is where it sort of originally cool um showed up it was close range hmm. Uh, my last one is uh, The Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford. That is the full name of the title. It's by Ron Hansen. This actually also became a movie. I didn't mean to do this, but uh, it became a movie and it starred, I believe, Brad Pitt and Casey Affleck. Uh, so don't let that judge the book because Casey Affleck is now a problematic person. Uh, but it's a very, very interesting story. It's historical fiction as well. And it's all about Jesse James, who's one of the most famous uh bank robbers in america and he meets robert ford who is the brother 
of one of the people in his gang and Robert Ford becomes obsessed with him and uh, wants to become him and wants to be as famous as he is but the only way he realizes to do that is to kill him and then take his mantle so it kind of goes from there um, it's a really good book the movie is pretty good as well um, but yeah it's I would definitely recommend it the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford uh, memoirs yep before we do this, as the resident librarian between the two of us, do you know the difference between memoirs and autobiographies? Because I had to actually look it up, and it was really, it's very convoluted. My understanding, also as a memoir writer. Um, that too. Is that memoirs, autobiographies sort of cover the whole span of a person's life. Right. Whereas memoirs, generally speaking, um fit a more narrow definition and, and time period. Yeah. Um, I think stylistically there's a difference, you know, uh, again, autobiographies, this is going to sound not really the best way to put it, but um, autobiographies are more factual based. Memoirs are memory based. And oh. so they're... Oh, okay. That's... Don't quote me on that, but you know what I mean? Like, no, I'm using that. I like well, that. Well, <laughs> no, but I mean, you know, like if you look at a biography, those are clearly fact based. You have annotations in the back, you have in, um, like someone has done serious research. Memoirs, it's, it's, you're writing from your memory. Yeah. But so there's, it, it's, it's a little convoluted. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't <laughs> so, mean so to there, make you. No, 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 no. So there's some like mix in there of, yeah. Those are my interpretations of it. Yeah, that's that was kind of what I saw okay. as well. I was just because okay. I never really thought because I was looking them up and I was like, wait, these are biography autobiographies. So what's the difference? I looked it up. So you're absolutely right. It, like every description I saw, it's like memoir is a specific period of time, and autobiography is more the whole life, like, right? Correct. Yeah. But again, but with the whole like fact versus memory thing, I mean, obviously, if you're writing your autobiography, you're also doing it from memory. Mm-hmm. I, I do think the the big major difference is autobiography is your whole life, and memoirs do tend to focus more on a particular right. part. Um, yeah. Autobiographies, of course, then tend to get written at the end of your life or when you're older. Whereas memoirs, you can write them whenever. Whenever. Yeah. It's, it's all still fluid, though. Um, all right. So my first one is, and I'm going to recommend you listen to the audiobook of this one, but it's Vacation Land by John Hodgman, which I have talked about a little bit um, in past episodes. I'm a massive fan of John Hodgman. I love everything he does. His podcast, uh, Judge John Hodgman, is incredible. So when you're done listening to our episodes, go check out Judge John Hodgman. <laughs> Um, you may recognize his name if you're not familiar with him. He was on The Daily Show with Jon Stewart. He wrote several best-selling books, which were all like fake news and invented facts. And in 2016, he's like, that doesn't seem funny anymore because everyone is using fake news as a actual thing to promote themselves. So he wrote this, I guess you could call it a memoir or autobiography of, it's a series of different stories from his life. Uh, growing up in the northeastern aspect, northeastern part of America. So uh, he's hilarious. He was also the guy from the Mac commercials, the Hi, I'm a PC and I'm a Mac. Oh, uh, yeah, he was right. The P- he was the PC with Justin Long. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, I love him and Justin Long both. 
So it's, yeah, Vacation Land is so wonderful. Okay, I, that makes me want to read it. I always loved those commercials. Yeah, you should absolutely. I highly recommend okay. it. He is so funny. I love him so much. So that's like my, my, my entire endorsement of this book is just he's amazing. And so is the book. So those really were the best commercials. Mm-hmm. They almost made me want to buy a Mac. I know. <laughs> like the bubbly Macs with the bright colors in the back. Yeah. <laughs> Oh god! I was in middle school when those came out. And we got them. We got the fun colored the yeah. IMAX. I was like, "What is this?" Yeah, those they were like open, and you could like see the guts of the. And the commercials kind of. were the best too. Like yeah. Apple is just on it with them. Their commercials marketing. continue to roll. Yeah. Okay, tangent. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I have Troublemaker: Surviving Hollywood and Scientology by uh, Leah Remini. Uh, probably all of these I've listened to the audiobook because I'm pretty sure all of them that I have is um narrated by them. And Leah has such like a distinct voice. Um, she was on those shows, King of Queens. She was on King of Queens. So she has like a very distinct voice. And she actually talks about that when she first got into Hollywood. Um, someone trying to talk her out of using that voice or to adopt a more, you know, Midwestern type voice. Uh, but this, she does go very much into Scientology because with her mom, she got into it very early and sort of her experiences with Scientology and of course she has a expose TV show now and it's just it's a fascinating book it's just fascinating yeah just incredible um, my next one is Ginger Kid by Steve Hofstetter so he actually came on the show I want to say episode like 210 um, but Steve Hofstetter is a stand-up comedian and he's hilarious uh, first off Ginger Kid is all of these stories about him growing up in high school and he was a nerd and he was in drama and he was in like these different you know Jewish community theater groups and all sorts of different stuff and him trying to make his way through awkward dating when he was a kid and like hey he had a bunch of issues in his family that they were trying to deal with and it's just it's one of these books that I wish existed when I was going into high school because it's one of the ones where it's it shows you as a kid growing into high school, like it's going to be okay if things are a little weird. And then it also is super relatable for all of us who have since graduated high school because it's just like, oh, yeah, I can remember a lot of these types of things. I feel like he's very on brand with like, <laughs> you and I and everyone who probably listens to this. Podcast. He and I got along super well when he was on the show. We ended up talking like an hour and a half. I had to cut out a lot of it because it wasn't applicable. But um, it's called Ginger Kid. If you look him up, it's for obvious reasons. He is a super ginge. Um, but Steve Hofstetter is wonderful. And go check out his comedy, too. He's very, very funny. So You were right. It was episode 210. Did you? Right? Yeah. You were I right. I did not look that up. Okay. Whoa. <laughs> like Rain Man. Um, my next one is This Is Me by Christy Metz. She is the plus-size actress very well known for This Is Us, the very popular TV show. Oh, yeah. That makes everyone cry sure does so uh yeah this is her memoir about getting into hollywood and um being plus size and i i've been told it's super positive and um really good for if you need like uplifting um point of view on those types of things so this is me christy metz Uh, my last one of these is you're never weird on the internet almost by felicia day uh, she is another super awesome dorky person. She's actually been called the queen of the geeks, which I love. Um, she grew up at the rise of the internet and really became one of the internet's kind of first like super mega stars. And now she's a mogul and 
Um, this is all about her very unique upbringing. Um, she is a violinist. She's a filmmaker. She was homeschooled, and her and her brother got massively into video games and um, into chat groups and on the internet when like those were a thing and you're oh yeah meeting random people yep been there done that and she actually like there's a story in there about how she became friends with somebody through the chat group and like her mom actually took her to go meet this person and it was super awkward and it's like all these stories are comically awkward and amazing and they're so perfect for people uh who again might have had like a, a weird upbringing as well or just felt awkward as a kid much like with ginger kid um I love it so much. It's so great for... She created this uh, online television show called The Guild, and it was one of the first... (gasps) Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was one of the first, like, web series, and um, she did it all entirely from scratch. It's basically like if you took Kevin Smith's Clerks but made it into a television series, and it just kept going for several years. And The stories in here are so great, and when you hear about how she wrote this show and how she managed to like she literally would spend every single waking moment sending people messages on twitter or sending like like just shamelessly like pushing pimping herself out and being like check Mm -hmm. this out check this out check this out and it worked and she's wonderful i would love to talk to her as well so that's you're never weird on the internet almost by felicia day and the subtitle of it is a memoir so i know i got that one right (laughs) uh i totally i I, like mentally already skipped ahead to the entire next section of books okay yeah, so one more left yeah so one more left um the actor's life a survival guide by jenna fisher this is jenna fisher from the office um steve carell wrote the forward to it jenna narrates it the audiobook i'm gonna tell you right now go listen to the audiobook because the forward is incredible i'm not gonna spoil it for anybody but let's just say that this is like those other comedic memoirs we have talked about where they sort of go a little improv those are the best. Those are the best. So, this. Um, this is about Jenna, you know, moving from, I think she, she's from St. Louis, and um, getting into acting and how it all worked out or didn't, because it took her a couple, obviously, several years before she was established. Um, but it's sort of a, you know, a how-to guide for actors, but also just sort of a memoir about her life um, or her experiences getting into acting. Nice. Um, okay, last ones are children's classic literature published before 1980. Mm-hmm. My first one is Treasure Island uh, by Robert Louis Stevenson. Man, you went like way back. Yeah, I wasn't messing around <laughs> with that 1980 thing. Well, because I remember reading this when I was a kid and I have like a super old copy of it. And I was like, you know what? People don't talk about Treasure Island enough. It's true. Said Adam on his weird soapbox today, I guess. Um, So if you're not familiar with Treasure Island, it's basically what created what we think of as pirates today. Like the the peg leg and the X marks the spot and burying your treasure and um, the wooden, large wooden ships and um, the, you know, pirate having a parrot. All that stuff comes from Treasure Island. And it's just a really great kind of like a coming of age story seafaring adventures everything you would expect to get out of this so read treasure island and then go watch muppet treasure island (laughs) both are wonderful so uh treasure island i feel like i don't need to repeat it six times but it's so good i love it i have roll of thunder hear my cry by mildred d taylor 
This came out um, in the mid-1970s. Set in Mississippi at the height of the Depression, this is the story of one family's struggle to maintain their integrity, pride, and independence in the face of racism and social justice. It is also Cassie's story. Cassie Logan, an independent girl who discovers over the course of the book how important, over the course of an important year, why having land of their own is so crucial to the Logan family, even as she learns to draw strength from her own sense of dignity and self-respect. Roll of Thunder. Hear my cry. Nice. Pretty sure it was a Newberry one or two. Nice. Um, I went with the magician's nephew from the Chronicles of Narnia. The reason being, I feel like a lot of people have probably read The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. But Magician's Nephew is actually the chronologically first book in the series. And it's all about the creation of Narnia. And it's so good and so wonderful. And I absolutely love it. It's, I, It might be my favorite book in the whole series. Um, it's just... It's so... It's such an incredible job of world building and really sets the stage for everything that you're going to end up uh, reading about. I mean, the whole series is amazing and sweeping and how he ties together all this stuff over, like, generations of people. But The Magician's Nephew really sets the stage. And the one that's most popular is The Lion, the Witch, and Wardrobe. And I think people don't realize that technically, first book is The Magician's Nephew. Is it technically or is it a prequel? Sorry, chronologically. So it's a prequel. In, I Well, I don't know. I... <laughs> There's, Did it come out before? Was it published before or after the first line? Of the I don't wardrobe? remember, and I don't want to say because people will yell at us because I know this is. No, a no huge they're not going to yell at me. Us, me. And it's a big point of contention about like there's a proper way to read them and all this stuff. So, but regardless, don't yell at me. Just go read it. I have from the mix-up files of Mrs. Basil E. Frankenwild by E. L. Konigsberg. Con. I actually have no idea. I'm not entirely sure how to pronounce that last name. I should know. After so many years of reading it, but I don't. Way to go. So sorry. So this is about Claudia. She decides to run away, but she doesn't want to just run away to uh, to run from somewhere. She wants to run to somewhere, and she ends up running to the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York City, where she and her younger brother just are like, we're just going to hang out here and sleep here That's so and cool. move in. <laughs> I love that so much. Um, One settled at the museum, they find themselves, she takes her brother, uh, yeah, I did say that. Um, I'm having a moment right now. (laughs) I just love this book. Like, you're just like, I'm just going to go live in a museum. I'm just going to run away and go live in a museum. Mm -hmm. Anyway, they find themselves caught up in a mystery of an angel statue that the museum purchased at auction. The statue is possibly an early work of the Renaissance master Michelangelo and therefore worth millions. Or is it? Claudia is determined to find out. Her quest leads her to Mrs. Basil E. Frankenweiler, the remarkable old woman who sold the statue, and to some equally remarkable discoveries about herself. I can't believe I've never read that. I can't believe you never read it either. Sorry. <laughs> it's so good. I want, I'm going to read it now. Uh, my last one is James and Giant Peach. I'm just realizing we didn't go through which what our children's we books did. were. To, oh, did I? Mm-hmm. I said these? Okay. Wow. Uh, if you've never read a Roald Dahl book, come on, what you doing? Uh, he also did Charlie and Chocolate Factory, but James and Giant Peach is my personal favorite Roald Dahl book. Uh, it's so magical. It's one of the first books I remember reading in middle school that was like, oh man, these like, I feel like it's like, it was kind of my introduction to fantasy was James and Giant Peach. So I don't really want to explain what James and Giant Peach is about. So just go check it out. But I had to confirm 
which of his books were written before and after 1980. Yep. I'm safe from James the Giant Peach. I believe yep. it was like in the mid 60s. Yeah, I my favorite old doll is The Witches, which came out in 83. That doesn't surprise me that so your favorite's The Witches. So I could not include it. It's my wife's favorite as well, The Witches. Couldn't include it. Yeah. So All right. What, what else you got? The last one is The Westing Game by Ellen Raskin. You guys, I love this book. <laughs> I am 36 years old and I still read this book. Yeah. Like all the time. Um, so this is about a group of individuals who have all moved into a new apartment building um, and they believe there's no connection between any of them. And then there's this man who lives in this big fancy house on the hill, Sam Westing. Sam Westing dies very suddenly. And in his will, coincidentally, all of the people in the apartment building are in the will. The <laughs> what? Coi- what a coincidence. What a coincidence. So um, it sort of becomes a bit of a game um, to find out how everyone's connected. Is Sam actually dead? Was there a murderer? There's a fortune on the line. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> can't believe we didn't do the children's literature in an earlier episode because this is like i feel like we you and i collectively could just do an entire episode on classic children's literature oh there were ones i had to cut out because i was just like i can't have an entire episode we actually we should probably just do an episode uh, literally <laughs> uh, both of i could see both of our wheels turning like well we should just do this all right we'll have more of these down the line um, we should just do an episode of classic children's literature yeah and all the reasons they're so spectacular i uh, actually kind of like setting a date on it like maybe like pre nineteen ninety because I, yeah there's a lot that came out in the eighties that I would love to talk about but yeah exactly well because that was the time that we, you and I grew up reading the books so it was like like eighties early nineties like that was the time yeah yep. um, okay so those are all of our books about nature westerns celebrity memoirs and children's classic titles published before nineteen eighty. Uh, we will do another one of these. I will say everything is going to be in the show notes. And also, if you go to overdrive.com on the homepage, I have a complete collection of all of the episodes that we've done so far, like the whole list for recommendations. So I've just been compiling it as we go. Uh, anything else you think people should know about? I don't think so. Okay. Um, I don't think I said all of them at the beginning, but just go to professionalbooknerds.com. You'll find all of our social stuff um, at ProBookNerds on Twitter and the Instagrams. So, Okay. We powered through. I was in a bad mood when this started, but now I'm actually in a good mood. Yeah, we're good. I'm glad we did this today. Okay. I hope you guys enjoyed all those recommendations. Let us know if you need any others. We're always happy to help. And we'll see you next time on the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours, like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.